what I thought I would do with my 10 minutes, since this is a book project, is explain sort of what the project is and what the book looks like in the first few minutes, and then talk a little bit about what the, the paper that I actually um, submitted, what I, what I think I'm doing with that, and, and where some of that is going. Um, obviously, this is a, a, a very much a work in progress, and so it's a book I'm currently writing, and, and so there's, there's a lot that I can still um, do with it and with comments. Um, the overall project is, in a lot of ways, an attempt to recover African-American constitutionalism from the 19th century. And um, part of the reason for doing that is, is to, to really see what it's like to think about African-Americans as, um, in, in some ways, framers of the Reconstruction Amendments. Um, and, and of course, that requires thinking of framing quite differently than the way it's usually used. But um, you can think of it also as, as participants in, as opposed to um, framers of. But that uh, part of it is a sort of thought experiment. And okay, if, if we try to do this, how would it work? Um, but also, I'm looking at the idea of African American constitutional identity. Right. So this is a study in the relationship of the Constitution to people who are both governed by and excluded from the Constitution in the antebellum period. And, and in a lot of ways, um, the, the 19th century is a struggle to try to achieve that identity and, and to some degree a failure in it by the end of the, the century. Um, the basic structure of, of the book, the early chapter, the sort of first chapter will be set the theoretical framework. And that's going to be largely based on a, a piece I published last year in Alabama Law Review on counter-public um, originalism. So looking at uh, thinking of public meaning as actually a variety of overlapping publics and, and what the understanding of, uh, of constitutional ideas is uh, across that. So I'll, I'll set that out in, in that chapter. The final chapter, maybe two chapters, is going to get into sort of pulling out some of the, the constitutional principles, either constitutional methods or interpretations that I get out of the rest of the book. Um, and some of that is, I, I tell you, in preliminary form at the end of this particular piece. Um, but really, the bulk of the book is going to be you know, five or six chapters exploring and, and trying to pull out African-American constitutionalism from the period 1825 to about 1875. And I really intend for that part of the book to stand on its own two feet, so you do not need to go with me on the theoretical side. Um, though that, that is going to um, obviously help people understand why I'm doing some of the stuff that I'm doing the way I talk about it um, in public sphere theory, et cetera. But you don't need to buy that, and you don't need to buy the, the end of the book, sort of what, what the, the conclusions are about constitutional issues, I think, to get value out of the, the bulk of the book. And that's why I think it is going to be potentially, or at least I hope, valuable in the sort of exploring the, the historical material for people across a wide, a wide spectrum. Um, and, and so hopefully I'm able to do that. Now this um, chapter is uh, obviously one of those chapters. I'll have, uh, I, I've written those sort of one and one and a half chapters on the black abolitionist period. And this is the sort of first part of the reconstruction period. I'll have then a couple chapters on the rest of reconstruction looking at African-American understandings and um, also the sort of <coughs> the biracial understandings that come up through that brief period in some states um, and the federal government in late Reconstruction. So what am I doing with, with this particular piece? Well, I started um, with the Syracuse Convention because I really see that as a pivotal convention in, in African-American experience and, and, and public um, sphere because it's, it's really the moment where there's this transition from abolition to 
um, emancipation. And that's the, a lot of ways what that convention is about. It's also just an extremely impressive collection of people and um, both the materials that they produce and the, the, um, the beginning of the Equal Rights League. It is really incredible moment of, of creation of social activism at the same time that they're also um, talking about writing about some general principles. So it does um, a lot of things, I think, to, to be a, a sort of founding um, a convention of the second founding period. Um, I then look at some of the other conventions because I want to try to go over a range of the, the, the conventions and discourse that is happening in a relatively short period of time. So both the Syracuse Convention and the Pennsylvania Convention are, um, you can see they address a lot of the issues that are concerns for northern free blacks. And, and those, the, the issues they address and the way they address them is a bit different from the way the Nor Norfolk meeting and the South Carolina Convention discuss that. So I, I think it gives a, a good example of the range of some of the um, discussions that are being had. I also particularly like the fact that these are public conventions. I mean, this is something in, in thinking about what what something like public understanding and public meaning might be. I think that when you have um, these sorts of meetings, which were very common in the 19th century across a right, wide range of groups, um, it, it, it says something different. Right? When they have to actually come to a collective understanding and agreement and, and even voting on some of these documents, um, that yeah, I don't know whether ultimately we should be privileging that in any sort of way, but I think it's particularly important and informative and, and um, useful to work with. Now, some of the things that, that I see coming out of um, the particular conventions that I'm looking at, um, while the, the conventions do address and mention some of what we, we usually identify as um, main constitutional texts or, or issues, so they mention the Second Amendment, First Amendment, Fourth Amendment. Um, and they also discuss some of the sort of basic civil rights, the Civil Rights Act of 1866 types of issues, contract and property. The way they're talking about it, is, it struck me as quite different from what you see the discussion that takes place in the Congressional Globe um, in 1866. And so, I, I mean, one of the, the puzzles for me is trying to figure out, okay, how is this different? Why is some, what are they concerned about that's not quite the same concern that's going on in Congress at the same time? Even though there's, there is some overlap of people in Congress who are um, in dialogue with and in relation uh, to a lot of their, their, there's a lot of overlap across there, but there's no, obviously none of the members of the conventions are participating in the discourse in, in Congress. And some of the, the differences I think um, are, are captured by what I start with, with um, the, the Henry Highland Garnett speech where he, he emphasizes the three E's, right? Emancipate, enfranchise, and educate. And that that really becomes, uh, right, those as, as um, interrelated principles that ultimately emancipation also means enfranchisement and education. And in a way that you can see as reconstruction moves forward, but there's not a, a sort of full commitment or embrace to that. Whereas in the black public sphere, obviously suffrage is the most important thing. And, and that's, that's true in a way that, that is um, really a, a struggle for Congress to try to deal with for various reasons. Um, but you get, I think, across a lot of the, the materials, you get what is essentially something like Justice Douglas's point in Harper, right, that, the, that, that suffrage is the most important because it protects, I think he says preservative of, but the idea that it protects the other rights. And you see this particularly, I think. So for African Americans in Pennsylvania who lost the right to vote by state constitutional convention decision in 1838, having had it before that, um, 
they really understand quite fully how, and, and, and the convention document, they actually express this, about how um, segregation is being implemented in large part because of slavery, which leads to their exclusion from suffrage, which then leads to the other. So that they see the suffrage as, as essential to preserving the other things because they've lost those things, right? And this is, I think, um, ties to their, their understanding of the vulnerability of rights. Right, so all the other rights that they're talking about are extremely vulnerable and have been vulnerable for them because they just haven't been implemented in, in any sort of serious way. And so suffrage is really seen as one of the primary ways for them to protect that. Um, so that in, in this sense, suffrage becomes the primary right um, and the primary uh, an essential component of, right, so, of, of freedom. Um, and then the other thing that I think you, you see in the materials is a, a much more sophisticated understanding of race prejudice. Um, that this is, um, clearly they understand how race prejudice works connected to slavery. Like for them, slavery and race prejudice are the same thing, right? Slavery and, and prejudice is slavery shadow. Um, and so in this context, to, to talk about slavery and race separately makes no sense to them. Right? And it's something that, that is, in fact, the, 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 the way those are talked about, um, not uncommonly outside of, uh, of that context. And for them, it's just these really are the same thing. And so um, eliminating slavery requires then the elimination of race prejudice, and the failure to eliminate race prejudice is a failure to actually eliminate slavery. Um, so in this sense, it's thinking of all of the things that are going on in Reconstruction in an overlapping way that, um, rather than in a discrete way. So what are the ways that they see um, a, the possibility of achieving the elimination of race prejudice? Well, that's where you get into suffrage, um, where I talk some about the equal protection idea that is an emphasis on physical protection. Um, other people have written about that idea of equal protection as well, but I think I see that in, in their materials. Obviously, um, the getting education, so basic education um, requirements to, to overcome some of that. And then the idea of access to civil society. So the so full range of access to employment, um, the importance of labor, things like that. Um, then finally, I sort of come out of the, all of this. My method is really much more to, to sort of bottom up type of thing, so to really try to analyze what they're talking about and explore what they're talking about, and then maybe try to bubble up from that some principles um, as sort of the closest I get to Mitch's uh, sophisticated approach to this is to just say there's some bubbling up from the social facts, right? Um, and, and the idea is that one of the things I see them doing is what I, what I describe as the principles and text approach, right? So this is... Um, the principles, what is it like for African Americans who are excluded from constitutional protections and who themselves describe at various times themselves as, I have no constitution. There's a famous um, sp uh, speech by William Wells Brown where he says, I have no constitution, right? So I, I am not part of this constitution. But at the same time, simultaneously, African Americans are relying on and trying to create a constitutional identity in America in the antebellum and reconstruction period. And so, what is that? What's going on in that? Well, I think what's going on is that there are fundamental principles that they are highlighting and talking about that are both in the text of the Constitution, so you get this the preamble, the, the guarantee clause, um, but also in the Declaration and other places, and that that's what is guiding their attempt to try to become part of and to, to change, to change textually and to also change 
understandings and interpretations of the Constitution. So it's really a principles that then lead to constitutional meaning for, for them. Um, then the other things that I, that I suggest at the end are the, uh, this idea of amendments themselves as reinterpretations of the original text. Right, so when you look, this is also going to be true of radical um, abolitionists, generally, bl both black and white. But you certainly see this idea that, that a, an amendment is the, the Reconstruction Amendments are implementing the Guarantee Clause. But they're implementing their understanding of the Guarantee Clause, which was a, an off-the-wall understanding. Right? Um, so it is by doing that, it is sort of reconfiguring or reinterpreting um, the uh, the rest of the Constitution, or at least particular portions of the Constitution, in order to make them part of it. Um, the other thing is this idea of um, implementation of the constitutional uh, principles and text um, in, in the actual lived experience, right? So whether it's you know, the liquidation of the Constitution or what have you, the idea is that it's, it's the living experience of constitutional law that is as important as the drafting. So I think for African Americans, especially African Americans being excluded from the drafting process and thinking about what the Constitution is, they fully recognize, and H. Ford Douglas's speech I think is excellent on this, um, that, that the, the interpretations of the Constitution at the legislative, executive, and judicial levels um, are, say as much about what the Constitution is as the text. And so they're thinking that way. That's a sort of constitutional consciousness that they take going forward, which is why political power is so important, right? For them to actually have a Constitution that incorporates them, they need to be able to participate in the decisions that are implementing and interpreting the Constitution. Right? Otherwise, they don't have a Constitution. If they don't have a Constitution, then there's a real question whether there is a Constitution. Um, I'll leave the rest for, for comments and um, reactions. I also want to thank Ryan, be strategically thank him before his comments. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that he was able to be a commenter and so on.